Well, good morning, church family. Y'all doing all right? Happy Mother's Day. Y'all are like dead. What's up with that? It was like cricket, cricket. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Hey, if you're a mom um, or this, you're here with your family, make sure you check out like the little photo booth area. Get a picture with mom out there. Um, I know some of you match or are ready for that photo op, so make sure you do that. We celebrate you guys. Um, as moms, y'all sacrifice so much and so often, and we would not be here without you. Uh, literally, um, we wouldn't be here without you. Um, but anyway, we celebrate you guys. Hope you feel special today. Um, I always say this because it's so true. I always want to be sensitive to this, that while we do celebrate um, moms, we also want to just recognize and uh, know that maybe for some of you, this is while you want to celebrate, it can also be a hard time of grief and um, just heartache, whether you have lost your mom um, recently or maybe you're struggling to become a mom. Um, we recognize that and continue just to pray for you and with you just in that season, knowing and just really clinging on to God being faithful um, in that. And so we're so thankful that you are here. We're thankful for all the moms and each of you being here. Um, it's a great, great, beautiful, beautiful Sunday. Um, also, just real quick, wanted to recognize and congratulate Brandon Shiley. Where is Brandon? He's in here, right here. Come on, Brandon. You can come on up. I'm going to put you right here. If you don't know who Brandon is, um, he is our student coordinator um, here at Five Forks and does a great, great job um, just investing into the lives of our middle school and high school students. But a big accomplishment on Friday, he graduated from Anderson. Yeah, so y'all give it up for him. Big, big deal. And um, I don't know what you're going to do with a women's ministry degree, but um, no, just kidding. That's a joke. Uh, no, joking, but man, so thankful, and I know we all support you. Um, just, man, you're doing a great job with our students, and whether you have a middle school or high school student, or will soon have one, man, make sure you stop by, um, say congratulations, uh, one verbally, but he loves money and gift cards, all right? Who doesn't, right? So maybe next week, bring him a gift card, something like that, say thanks, but give it up for Brandon. Man, so thankful, woo! Big deal. That's a big, big accomplishment, and um, congratulations. You're in a lot of debt. Um, so uh, just kidding. Uh, just kidding, but it's a big, big deal. Man, it's a lot of hard work. So thankful that he is here at our campus and means so much to our church, but specifically pouring into our students' lives. And as a dad, two of my kids are in there, so I have a biased opinion. So thankful for him. But uh, this morning, um, if you haven't been here, we've been on this journey. We're in week three of the series that we have called Counterfeit Gospel. And we're tackling some really hard uh, topics because we are addressing things that really are in opposition to Scripture. They are things that Maybe our society or even churches or even as believers, we have adopted into the Christian faith that shouldn't be a part of the Christian faith. That we say, oh, that must be in the Bible somewhere when it's not in the Bible. And so we just wanted to be good stewards of God's word and of, of his truth and tackle some of these things. So the very first week, we tackled this idea, really kind of this American gospel, if you will, that um, our world or our life is all about us. And so we kind of look through like this me lens and really our culture says, and we're guilty of buying into this idea that uh, life is all about what I make of it and what I take from it. So it really is centered around us. So we looked at that lie the first week. Last week, 
we um, looked at this idea. You probably have heard of this statement, God helps those who help themselves. And I don't know about you, um, because a lot of these messages are addressing things that are centered around us and our man-centeredness, if you will. Man, it feels like you're getting punched in the face with these messages because last week, the very first point of the message addressing God helps those who help themselves, the very first point was you're sick, all right? So not the most encouraging message, you know, um, of it, but it is so true that we're sick. We can't help ourselves. And then we're also, we don't define the amount of grace that God um, gives us and um, graciously bestows upon us um, just based on if we do good or not. God's grace is God's grace. And so this morning we're looking at one of these other cultural lies, these counterfeit gospels. I would say is probably the most toxic in my opinion um, um, in all of these things that we're going to look at. And it comes really in three words. Follow your heart. Have you heard that? You might be, maybe have even been guilty of saying it. Um, but this is really a counterfeit lie, a cultural lie that you, we, we say in a lot of different ways, just, hey, just follow your heart. And really, to the believer and unbeliever, it seems like a tempting gospel. It seems like it's pretty liberating. It's probably pretty free in our lives, but it's actually a disastrous lie for me and you to buy into the fact that you and I should follow our hearts. Now, we, this kind of takes on a couple different statements not just follow your heart. It can also be said, trust your feelings or go with your gut. Or if it's, if, you, uh, if it's right, it can't be wrong. If you feel right about it, it can't be wrong. Your feelings are the truth. Your instincts are the truth. And this, this idea, very complex in a lot of different ways, but this thought process of you and I following our heart has really infiltrated the society and the world that we live in. In such a way, you don't need me to tell you this, it has impacted laws, policies, probably the company that you work for, or the company that you own, HR stuff. It has impacted and influenced our school curriculum, the way um, teachers are addressing students, all these other things that are just kind of um, side effects of this issue, of this idea of just follow your heart, trusting your feelings. So much so that what is actually happening is that this idea, this ideology, is, so, is running so deep that it's impacting our identity and people's identity. So it's one of those things that if you feel this way, if those are your instincts, that's what your heart says, it must be right. So stop fighting it. Stop resisting it. Stop pushing it down. It has to be right. It has to be true. And then if that's the case, then what we end up saying, kind of connecting the dots, as our society says, that is who you are. And so what has happened is this idea of, of following your heart, trusting your instincts, trusting your feelings, begins to um, be connected with our identity. So now we start, we start to see things like this is how you identify in your gender, how you identify just in your identity, what pronoun you use. All these different things are a symptom of a bigger issue of us saying, just follow your heart. Your, your feelings must be true. What's true for you might not be true for me. These are my feelings. This is how I feel. And so we have this over and over of this idea of follow your hearts. This is how you, you need to live. And what we want to do is we want to look at Scripture. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Jeremiah 
chapter 17. Going to the Old Testament, Jeremiah 17. And Jeremiah was a prophet. And if you don't know a lot about prophets, the prophets were really messengers of God. God would speak to them and they would communicate that truth, um, of whatever that message is, to the people. And oftentimes, there was kind of a combination of things. Prophets would usually have some truth, maybe it was some words of encouragement. Hey, you need to start doing this as God's people. But oftentimes, especially the minor prophets, it was a lot of warning. It was a lot of, if you keep doing this, these are the consequences. And so they are an instrument and tool used by God that God would speak through them and then communicate to God's people. And so we see one of these opportunities um, that God is speaking to the people, and it really addresses this whole idea of the heart. So read this with me. This is in chapter 17 of Jeremiah. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. We're going to start in verse 5. Thus says the Lord. So these are God's words. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. So right off the bat, God is saying, hey, if you trust yourself or if you trust another man um, in this, instead of God, you're going to run away from God. And it cannot be your strength. Your strength is not to trust yourself, your heart, your feelings, or, whatever, or, or even someone else of that matter. He uses this illustration, verse um, 6. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an in, uninhabited salt land. Verse 7, here's the contrast. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Now here comes the gut-wrenching passage in these next two verses. The heart is deceitful above all things. Your translation might say wicked. It is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Okay? <laughs> Encouraging word. All right? I, the Lord, or, or who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according, according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And so I want to look at this passage. I want to kind of go through three truths about our hearts. My heart and your heart. The first one is that our hearts leave us stranded. Our hearts leave us stranded. We see that God actually uses this um, illustration of this shrub in the middle of the desert. Now, I've never been out west. I've never been to a desert, but I've watched plenty of planet earths, and I can Google it, okay? That's what we do in this world. You don't know? Google it. And so you know that a shrub does not, it looks, man, when it's like in the middle of a desert, it just looks lonely. It is stranded by itself. It really is sick. It can't really thrive. It doesn't bear fruit. It, it's not green. It's usually brown. It looks dead like some of the bushes in my yard. It, is, it looks like that. And the thing is, is that God then says, hey, nothing good comes from this. And so often, this is how we look through Scripture. This is how God really describes our hearts. Our hearts, by nature, 
because of sin, are not just fruitful in and of, of themselves. They're not good. No good can come from our hearts without Jesus. And so our hearts are in this area that leave us stranded. They leave us empty. Now think about this. If you and I were to be really honest about what our hearts tell us on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, I don't know about you. I'm just speaking for myself. There are things that happen in my heart that I would be ashamed to repeat in church. Are you with me? There are things that just happen in our lives and in our hearts, things that we feel maybe is on Woodruff Road. We say a lot of things <laughs> on that road. Or ways that you feel maybe someone wrongs you at work or in your family that really it leaves you stranded. It leaves you empty. And it isn't very beneficial. It's not helpful or healthy in any regards. And God is saying, hey, this is it. Now, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, Man, plain as day, he says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. Your heart is not good. And this is innate in our nature from the very beginning of our birth. Now think about this. You don't, if you're a parent, you, you didn't teach your kids to say no. You didn't teach your kids to hit and to bite and to slap and to throw down in Wally World, you know, or whatever else. You didn't teach them that. You're actually, if you're like me, I'm embarrassed when my kids act that way. And so you have to think, this is our hearts. And the tendency of our hearts is self-satisfaction, meaning all our hearts care about is us, right? Our hearts make us look really good and make other people look really bad. Our hearts um, think the best about ourselves and the worst about other people. Unless other people think of us really well, then we really like those people. But as soon as those people don't think the best about us, our hearts turn on those people, right? And we're like, oh, I'm going to get you, (laughs) you know? That's just in our hearts. And so that's the way our hearts have been formed because of the sin, this nature that has creeped inside all of us and this tendency to have this self-satisfaction. Now, I've said this before, but there's this um, theologian, scientist, author named Pascal, and he really kind of coined this phrase or this idea that every single one of us has what he called a heart or a God-shaped void in our lives. Meaning that we are going to try to satisfy that void, try to fill things in that void that only God can fill. He is the only one that can bring satisfaction. But you and I both know we live our lives to the extent until we die trying to fill that void with things that don't truly satisfy. So we're like, hey, if I had some more money, if I had a bigger house, a better car, if my kids would just act right, if I could just do this and do that, we'll put it in this hole, and then I would truly be satisfied. But you and I know, and I learned this when I was in business in college and business classes, the more money you make, the more money you what? Spend. And the more money you spend, the more money you want. So it really doesn't matter. We live our lives wanting more and more and more and more and more, and we will never truly be satisfied. And I know that sounds discouraging, but it's a reality that we need to cope with and say, you know what? Only Jesus satisfies. So it doesn't matter if you get a better job promotion, it will, it will feel good for a moment, and it will help pay the bills, certainly. But it won't ever truly satisfy. Because 
It, that, that God-shaped void is God-shaped for a reason. Only God can satisfy that. And so our hearts are always in this nature of wanting more. It's all about me. I want this. I want this, this, this desire to be met. You and I have kids, and we know people that say, I want to do what I want to do. Why did you do that? Because I want to. It, that is our heart, and it leaves us stranded and feeling empty. And I don't know about you, I've never met someone who they spend their entire life feeding those passions and those desires, and at the end of the day said, you know what, I'm so glad life was all about me. I'm the happiest person in the world. Most of the time, those people are in a big, empty house that's quiet. There's no, there's no joy. They're probably sitting in a lonely chair all by themselves, drinking a hard drink, saying, man, this is what life gave me. And it's because all they thought about was themselves. And that's what our heart does. That's the life that our heart is like this bush in loneliness, in wilderness. There is no good in that. Only when we tap in and our heart is renovated by God and renewed by God, can we actually begin to really, as we lean on God and his understanding, really begin to say, okay, my heart is in a better place in that. And so think about that. The second thing that we see is not only does our hearts leave us stranded, but here's a big one. Our hearts lie to us. Our hearts lie to us. More than probably anybody else, our, our hearts lie to us the most. Our hearts, if our hearts are our compass, man, it is a skewed compass. It is a skewed reality that will, it will always lie to us and it will tell us what we want to hear. Your heart makes you think um, and make you feel good in those decisions. Like, hey, this will be a really good decision. It makes you feel good in those moments. It makes you feel like you need to be happy. You want to be happy. So do this and do that. And your heart naturally tells you what you want to hear. That's our, that's our hearts. Hey, do this. It'll make you feel good. Do this. It'll make you happy. Do this and all your problems will go away. Our heart lies to us. But what does God say? He says our heart is what word? Deceitful. And it's deceitful above all things. It wasn't just one of the things. It's not like your heart is, okay, you have compassion, you have joy, you have some happiness, you have some mercy. And, and being deceitful is just kind of one of these things. It's not really a big deal. It just kind of comes and goes. Man, God says it is deceitful above all things. It is number one public enemy for you and I. Our hearts deceive us. They lie to us on a daily basis. And think about this. There's a reason that the enemy Satan attacks your heart. Because if you remember in Proverbs, that we also see that we need to guard our heart because from it is, you know, flows life. It is the wellspring of life, the proverb says, that we need to guard it. And so we have to guard this thing in such a way that says, hey, it needs, my heart needs to be for God because Satan will attack your heart. Every day he will attack and say, you know what? Just give in. Just do it. It'll make you feel good. Hey, there won't be any consequences to that. You know what? You know, he'll attack your heart and start to buy into lies. Like, you don't have what it takes. You're a big mess up. You're a horrible mom. You're a horrible dad. You, you're, you're always going to struggle with that. God can't forgive you or redeem you of that you know, that mistake or whatever, we buy into that because our heart lies to us. 
And we start to buy into that, and God says, no, 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 no. Don't believe that. Don't believe your heart. Your heart is deceitful. It lies to you over and over. It says that your heart is sick. It is desperately sick. This goes into what we talked about last week when Jesus looked at these tax collectors who were like, hey, why does Jesus eat and hang out with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said, hey, I came as a physician to heal the sick. That's you and me. Our hearts are sick. They all, all they think about is you and, and, and ourselves and to say, hey, this is what I want in this tunnel vision, all this other stuff. You know that if you're a parent, especially, you didn't teach your kids that. It is their nature. And so we see this in us. It continually lies and lies and lies. And at the end of the day, when we say follow your hearts, it is a submission issue. It is an authority issue with God. It is saying, you know what, I'm going to follow my heart because my heart, I trust it more than I trust God's heart. It is saying my plan is better than God's plan. So when we say just follow your heart, go with your gut, trust your instincts, however you feel. Who, who made you the, the defender and the creator of the truth? And so you have to think through this that our, our hearts lie to us on a daily basis. And we live in a culture that says, and it feeds that lie over and over. You have what it takes. You, you, you know what? Whatever you feel, just believe all those things. And so we have to be very, very careful because our hearts need to follow God. My prayer for myself and I hope for you is to be like David in the Old Testament where Scripture says that he was a man after God's own heart. That even in the midst of mistakes and, and, and issues and sin, he wanted to honor God with his heart. So he chased after God's heart. He realized his heart was jacked up, you know. In some ways, I read a book a couple of years ago. It said our hearts are like sociopaths, <laughs> you know, and like we just don't know. And it's just all over the place and schizophrenic in some ways. And so we cannot trust our hearts because it lies to us. It is sick. And then the last one that we see this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time on this as we close, is that our hearts need the truth. Our hearts need the truth. That is the remedy to this sick and deceitful heart. Um, the truth, really think about it, confronts this corruption in our hearts. Your heart, your gut, your feelings is not the truth. If our heart, our gut, and our feelings define the truth, then the, the standard of truth would always be moving. Are you following me? It would be a moving target. That there would be no truth. That if I define truth and you define truth, why do we get to define truth? Why is my truth different than your truth? What, why, why can I say it's okay to kill someone and you'd be like, that's not truth? Well, it is to me. It doesn't make sense. We have to have a standard of truth. We have to have a, a set of rules and guidelines that say this is the truth. This is the standard. And we see in Scripture that God's law is written on all of our hearts, believers and non-believers. That's why, even if you're an unbeliever, you know it's wrong to kill somebody. You know that. You know right from wrong. You might not trust it. You might not act upon it. But you at least, at the very least, know that that, that is truth. So you and I, in our way of living, the way we parent and live our life, we have to have a standard of truth. Now think about this. What is truth? Man, God and God's word. That is truth. 
There's a reason this is called the Holy Bible or God's Word. It speaks to us and gives us this standard. So just a couple things. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. And so he is the standard of truth. We see all throughout the Old and New Testament that God is truth. Jesus is truth. They are so holy and perfect. They, they can't even, they can't lie. So the very essence of their character and nature is truth. And so for us to live as truth tellers, if our heart needs truth, we need God. We need Jesus because he is that standard. On, on another side of this, this coin is that, that um, not only is God or Jesus the truth, but his word is the truth. In John 17, 17, Jesus says this. He's praying. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So we see that in God's word, it is true. It is without error. And that it is really this litmus test of anything that you and I do. We should be looking to God and God's word to test our hearts. To say, you know what, I shouldn't trust my heart. Let me look to see what God's word has to say about this thing, this decision, this step, this action in this. And then third, we see that we get an incredible gift as believers. That when we become followers of Jesus, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit to reside in us. And one of the roles, the main role of the Holy Spirit is to, one, illuminate God's truth, to show it to us, and then convict us of that truth. Meaning, hey, that little ugliness in your life, that's not honoring to God. That little addiction, that little lie, that little anger issue, that self-control, that the Holy Spirit, when he comes inside of us, says, that's not okay. That does not honor God. That's the, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the problem that we have to be very careful of. Is that you and I, we we wrongly assign our feelings as the Holy Spirit. We feel something, we say, that's my heart, and we say, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, here's kind of a test to know, because many people inside the walls of the church and outside would say, well, God told me this. I used that excuse all throughout middle school when I had girlfriends to say, God told me not to, you know, I need to break up with you. And it's not true, all right? The thing is that we have to look at God's word and what it says in those things as the test of those things. To say, you know what, just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean, well, I'm just going with my gut. That's got to be true. We can't do that. We have to look at Scripture. We have to talk to God. And we can't justify our feelings and wrongly assign our feelings and our emotions as God's Word when it is not. We can't say, well, that's how I feel. That must be the Holy Spirit. Well, have you looked at Scripture? Because anything that any of our feelings, our emotions, our heart feels that contradicts Scripture is not from the Holy Spirit. It's not from God. You can't say, well, God told me to do this, and then it contradicts in Scripture for us not to do that and say, well, that's from God. That doesn't make any sense. It's a very dangerous, dangerous place to live. There's a reason that Jesus in chapter uh, 14 of John, he tells his disciples, right? Note that, that he didn't tell his disciples, let your hearts not be troubled, just believe in your hearts. He didn't say that. What he said is, 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and also believe in me. The only way for our hearts to be renovated, renewed, is by trusting God. Is by looking to God to give us a new heart, a healthy heart. And Ezekiel, I'll read this as we close. In Ezekiel, we come across this passage of Scripture in chapter 36. And for time, I'm just going to read this. It says, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, that I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will uh, put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. A couple of verses later, he then says, Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. And it is not for your sake that I will act, that I will give you this new heart and this new spirit. It's not, it's not for your sake. But this is what he says. He says, let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Essentially saying, hey, I'm going to give you a new heart, not so you can just be a better person, but for you to give glory to God. For people to say, man, there's something different about that guy. There's something different about that girl. They're not acting in the way the world acts. I'm giving them a new heart so that they can continue to trust me and be reminded of my ways. And you and I, we desperately need those new hearts. We need a heart and a mind that's continually being renewed. Because at the end of the day, we cannot follow our hearts. We need to follow Jesus. And what's so amazing is that our feelings change all the time, but God's word never changes. God himself never changes. He is that standard of truth. He, scripture is the final say, not you and me. We're not the dictators and definers of what truth is. So let us not follow our hearts. Let us follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we can all admit and hopefully acknowledge that our hearts are sinful and sick and deceitful. There are many times in life that we do things that feel good right now, but tomorrow they feel horrible. We do things that we're like, oh, let me just trust my instincts and go with my gut on this. We don't look at your word. We don't go to you. We don't pray. We just trust ourselves, and it always turns out. It seems good in the moment, but it's really bad tomorrow. And so, Father, we desperately need you. Our heart is deceitful, it is sick, it leaves us stranded, and we need your truth and your word that can only be found in you and Jesus to renovate our hearts, to renew and give us clean hearts. And so, Father, as believers, let us live in such a way that we look to you and we trust and acknowledge you in all of our ways so that you can direct our paths, not our hearts, not even other people. But, God, we look to you. And for that, God, we, we worship you and we praise you and we give you all honor and glory for a heart that is being renewed every single day, that's being made new every single day. And I pray for the person that's here this morning that 
Maybe for the first time they're realizing their heart is sick. They're just like on this rat race of life without peace, without joy, trying to meet those satisfactions. It's just always lying. It's not going well. I pray that today is the day they give their heart to you. They surrender to you. And for that, we worship you this morning. And we can trust you, not ourselves or our feelings. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's stand. Let's close and worship. And worship a God who, man, loves us, wants our hearts to be renewed. And if you want to talk, I'll be on the front. We'd love to talk to you or pray with you.